Hi everyone, welcome to Casper Podcast. I'm Mila Maria, founder of Casper Magazine. Join me as I chat to awesome humans about cool stuff on work, life, wellness, and anything in between. Before I get into this episode, you can find the fun version on Instagram's IGTV at Casper Magazine. In this episode, Murray and I chat to principal psychologist Carl, the founder of Bloat Psychology, a clinic dedicated to improving the mental health and well-being of boys and men. Tell us about why um, you started Bloke Psychology, because I think um, from a male perspective, it's interesting that it's a specific um, niche just to help men. Uh, where to begin, Marie? Firstly, thanks for having us. Really appreciate you reaching out and having us on. Uh, so Bloke Psychology, I suppose it's self-explanatory. It's a mental health clinic for boys and men of all ages. and. About two and a half years ago, I was working in the public sector space at a community health center in uh, Gambler's Help. And being one of the very few blokes who were the clinicians there, most of my caseload became men, boys and men. And I very quickly realized that a lot of these males of all ages probably should have reached out for help a long time ago. They, They were only coming to us because they'd hit rock bottom, shit had hit the fan, And there was a lot of red flags two, three, five, even 10 years earlier than when I was seeing these clients. And it was purely just a conversation I had with one client. I sort of said to him naively at the time, I said, why is it taking you so long to reach out? Like, it sounds like you've been struggling for a long time here. And he didn't even hesitate. He just looked at me and said, mate, where would I go? And Mm -hmm. I thought, what do you mean? (laughs) I was a bit naive. And I said, mate, there's there's mental health clinics everywhere. Psychologists, counselors, you know, lots of different support services. And he said, yes. He goes, where's a bloke to go? Mm, interesting. Because there's such a stigma around blokes and kind of and a mesh, uh, uh, mental health, isn't it, as well? So it would be that, I, I'd imagine it would be like exactly that. Where would you go as a man? Because mm. like, that's seen as a weakness, perhaps. And that's probably why they don't look into it, do you think? Well, I think there is definitely that and that whole narrative about what it means to be a man and the stereotypical bloke. But it's also like this gentleman in particular he, if you met him, you'd go, yeah, he's a stereotypical Aussie bloke, but he'd actually done the research and he said, no, I've, he goes, there's 10 clinics I could go to. There's one my GP suggested. He goes, but you go to the website, they're all talking about cognitive behavioral this, mindfulness that. He goes, they're all very feminine based. He goes, where do blokes go? And it was purely that night I went and had supervision with my clinical supervisor, who's a, an experienced psychologist. And I was just thrown around this idea. I said, it's almost like there needs to be a a bloke psychology clinic. I said, because he makes such a good point. Where do guys go? And she just said, she goes, I've got a room. Why don't you do it? And wow. I was still very early in my career. And I said, oh, I couldn't do that. And she goes, just sit with that idea. So the next six months in my spare time, I just built up a website, played around with some logos, what it could look like. And I got to the point where it was just ready to go. And I thought, all right, I'll give this a crack. And I, you know, hustled very hard for a few months, getting our name out there, networking and, from day one, our books have been full. And it's not, it's not the clients I can't find, it's the clinicians, whether it be male clinicians, female clinicians, just clinicians who fit our philosophy and are really passionate about this space. Wow. And you know what? I, it's, it's interesting because I, I do believe, and Murray, you could, I think men do think differently to women too. So I kind of get what your client was saying in terms of, you know, a lot of the uh, psychology clinics out there are more feminine-based. Um, and and having having so many men around me, I understand it 
guys are a little bit more black and white. Just tell me what I need to do so I can do it. Am I right in saying that? Definitely. Am I right yeah. in saying that? Yeah. I mean, I reckon from a male perspective, I totally get what you're saying. On it feels like you've taken down a barrier to get there because it's a scary concept as a guy to a and acknowledge and address mental health and b take any action towards dealing with it. So I would imagine looking through the process and not being able to find something that felt right for me as a bloke. Um, would be the first easy reason to go, oh, I won't do anything about it. <laughs> Self-reliance, just now nah, it'll be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, from a guy's perspective, it's, you know, the kind of that a more traditional or old-fashioned um, yeah. kind of thing, but not the right way. And Maria, you bring up a really good point about uh, a lot, I suppose the male brain stereotypically is more black and white. Mm. And, you know, you look at my lo- our logo, it's black and white. It's... Mm you'll read anything on our website, our market, anything like that. What you've said is pretty much our vision. It's about, you won't find any therapeutic clinical jargon on our website. No. Because it also, this, this starting the clinic also brought a lot of awareness to myself about even the way in which psychology training is taught is very traditionally, it's, it's very feminine. Mm. Because you're learning all about how to engage the client, the client-centered approach and all of these things. But it's based on the assumption that the client wants to be there. Mm. And this is a generalization. I'm not saying all females who seek support or counseling want to necessarily be there. But I think it's probably safe to say that most blokes that I see in that first session, a big part of them doesn't want to be there because it goes against the grain of what it means to be a bloke. Traditionally, whether rightly or wrong, you don't want to be paying some other guy and spending your time and energy to open up to a stranger and your vulnerabilities and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Whereas I think females traditionally are a lot more open about doing that. So even in terms of the training itself, and and that's why uh, at the same time as we open, a lot of research came out about what actually works in therapy for men specifically and that research was pretty much some of the first in the world it had never been done before and there's really significant differences wow like what can you give us an example well a lot of it is pretty much the themes we're talking about they the the first study i read that really uh clued me into this and it resonated with what i was finding was that they they interviewed guys who had had good experiences and those who hadn't had good experiences and the ones who didn't have good experiences said I sort of felt like I was rocking up. We'd talk about stuff and then I'd walk away. And I wasn't sure where this was going. Were we heading somewhere or was that, was that it? I just came and I vented. So the number one thing guys said they needed was transparency. They need to know, okay, what are we working towards? What's our goal here? You know, in two or three sessions time, where do we expect to be? Because guys, again, we're black, black and white. Traditionally, we're very solution focused. Yeah. So, and that's why it's, a, it's very hard for us to find clinicians that suit our philosophy and values. Not saying they're not out there, but a first session with us probably looks somewhat different to traditionally how we are trained. It's not about the clipboard and going through that assessment. It's about actually going, first question I ask new clients is, mate, how do you feel about actually being here? And the yeah. amount of times guys will either break down or they'll go, mate, I've, I've called your office 10 times and then hung up. Wow. And actually that transparency and that authenticity, like, shit, this is hard being here. Yeah. And you're right because it is a place where they, where men get to expose their vulnerabilities, which is, I'm sure, something that, I mean, even as a woman, I don't like the idea of exposing my vulnerabilities to a stranger, you know. Um, but for men, it must be a lot harder, I, I'd imagine. 
you know right. so um i think i think the work that you're doing is is, is amazing and i think um, there's definitely a space for it and more of it you know giving um men the opportunity to come in and um actually acknowledge that hey you know what i'm not perfect or i'm not dealing with this uh the way i, po- I could probably deal with it a little bit better um maybe i will go and seek some help and there is a place that kind of gets me i think that's mm. that's kind of yeah i mean it must be hard I mean, as you're kind of talking to it, it must be hard for guys to get to that point. But what's the couple of steps before talking to you? Like, how do they find that journey to get to you? Like, is it searching the internet or is it a referral or is it doing a bit of, you know, introspective looking first? Is it the wife that says you need to, (laughs) you better talk to someone before I throw something at you? (laughs) Unfortunately, yes, sometimes. Uh, There's still a large majority of it because we always ask new clients, you know, how do you find us? How do you uh, end up here? And a lot of times it's still the females in their life going, hey, like I saw this Instagram post from this bloke psychology clinic or um yeah their mum or their sister or somebody in their life but there are a large majority too who actually just find us on their own volition like a lot of clients will say i've been wanting to seek support for a, a long time now but i just haven't felt comfortable going to what they perceive as being the sort of generic cookie cutter approach and i'm not saying that's true but that's how they perceive it based on the marketing and the websites of other clinics. And that really rang true when we first opened and I had clients and I, we still do driving from Broadmeadows and we're in the Bayside suburbs. Uh, we, we have clients in WA, we have a few clients internationally purely because they can't find anything that speaks to them uh, on the surface. Like I suppose our branding does. Yeah. And ultimately it's, it's about that connection, isn't it? It's, it's about actually them being comfortable enough to open up to you and be able to connect with you on that level to and, and, and admit where they need to change or what they need to do to get where they want to go. And I really like what you said earlier in terms of uh, you have a, a goal where they want to be or what they want to work on. Um, I think that's important in general, regardless whether you're a male or a female. I think it's important when you see someone like yourself to kind of know, okay, I'm coming to you for these reasons, or maybe I'm coming to you because I don't know why I'm coming to you, but uh, what's the outcome going to be? You know, am I going to become a better version of myself? You Mm. know, um, yeah, I think it's great. But going, uh, talking about COVID, you know, we started um, having a bit of a chit-chat about that and these unusual times at the moment, and we're all a little bit unprepared, and I think we're, we're very unprepared both um, in work, in business and in life in general. But I think one of the things that um, really has me concerned and just reading some of the information on mental health at the moment and how many people are struggling, um, you know, we haven't been through a, a situation, a pandemic like this since 19, since the early 1900s with the Spanish flu. So psychologically, I don't think we're geared up or even know what we're doing. I don't think even the government knows what they're doing. (laughs) But, you know, we're all kind of just wigging. We'll try this. Oh, we'll go into a second lockdown. Uh, (laughs) See how that pans out. Um, But we are in Melbourne and we are going through that second lockdown, hence why we're doing this um, via Zoom. And um, I'm starting not to struggle with it, but I'm finding this particular lockdown a lot more difficult than the first one. Um, So let's talk about why this particular situation with COVID 
and all these new, you know, wearing the face masks, don't go out, you know, following certain rules and regulations feels like a lot of our um, basic civil liberties have been kind of pulled away from us and we're struggling with it a little bit. Plus, you know what, we may have lost our jobs um, and we've got families to feed. And I, I'd imagine for men, um, if they're the sole breadwinner, this a lot of these things and taking away the things that we talked about earlier, all those social things that men do after work or um, during the day or play footy or soccer or whatever it is, um, how, what are some of the things that uh, you can kind of give us some clarity on on how to cope with this intense situation? Because it does feel intense for a lot of people. It's a good question, Maria. I mean, I've had this conversation probably since stage four started with nearly all of the clients I've seen because like you said, and I completely agree personally, that first lockdown was so much easier mm. because, okay, this COVID thing happened worldwide and we got told what it is and, oh, okay, it's a bit, bit anxiety-provoking, but, hey, guys, lockdown for six weeks and then we'll be right. That was almost the mentality. We thought, okay, we can do this. But then we had that, that brief period where they eased it and we maybe got to reconnect and start doing some sort of normal life and activities. But then all of a sudden it was our stage three again, our stage four again. Mm. And I think what a lot of the government narrative and all of us know at the moment that's not being spoken about is that there's no guarantee here that in, what is it, three, four weeks, we're going to uh, come out of this lockdown. It's that ongoing uncertainty. Uh, and as you said, lack of control. Those two things are the perfect recipe for anxiety, for despair, for depression, for hopelessness, for anybody. But then you compound that with remote learning. <laughs> you compound that with being stuck at home and having to work in, in an apartment or maybe a house with your partner all the time. Or maybe you've lost your business. Maybe you already had mental health <laughs> issues and now they're further compounded. It's a nightmare. And a lot of people are talking about the economic impact, which I'm really concerned about, but I'm way more concerned about the long-term mental health impact over the next six to 12 months of this, because we're not going to see the true extent of this probably for six to 12 months in terms of the mental health impact on our society. That's a huge mental marathon for all of us, isn't it? It is unfortunately. Yeah. And as you said, we've never experienced it for a lot of us. This is the first time we've faced this level of adversity. Yeah, absolutely. How do you feel, Murray, in terms of like, you've got your, Murray has his own business. Murray's um, founder of Calm and Stormy Water. Mm -hmm. Just saying. <laughs> a little plug. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but yeah, you've noticed a drop in your business. Given yeah. the, uh, you know, you rely heavily on cafes and restaurants yeah. um, to supply your product. And um, and yeah, it's it's been a bit of a, how do you feel? Shit. Is the honest truth. But um. Uh, I mean, it's so funny in the first, at the start, you kind of just roll with the punches a bit and then it starts to sink in, I think, the longer it's gone on that um, I'm dealing with it here and now, but the more I get trapped into or, or, or um, yeah, kind of trapped into thinking about what the future could be, the more the uncertainty plays on me and the not knowing, knowing when things are going to get back up and um, how I'm going to deal with that and all the various kind of um, situations or paths I could take. You know, start to stress me out a lot so I have to kind of bring myself to try and be in the here and now which then I feel more positive about funny enough because I can deal with today I can deal with this week but it's harder to think about the future so you know I can be more adaptable now and we change the business model and things like that and that starts to give a bit of motivation 
I'd say though that it goes up and down a lot, kind of day by day or week by week, like little things affect me a lot more. So I feel positive when positive things are happening during the day, but let the opposite when things go the other way, it takes me back to that shit. If things are going bad today, what's it going to be like in a month? Shit, what's it going to be like in six months? Yeah, that kind of thinking. Mm. Yeah, I think as, as Murray just highlighted, I mean, you're, you're, you've encapsulated sort of what we tell a lot of our clients and it's that cliche of you need to focus on what you can control because we could spend an hour talking about the what ifs and the anxieties like what's Christmas going to look like for us in Melbourne this year? What's yeah. New Year's going to look like? What's term one going to look like next year? Are the kids going to go back to school this year? And you oh, go down please, please change it. <laughs> but you go down that and it starts to snowball very quickly and any of us can start to spiral in terms of anxiety and isolation and no, nah, I don't want to borrow that but if you can bring yourself back to the present and go, okay, yep, all those uncertainties are there. But as Murray said, what can I do today? Whether it be for the business, for myself, for the relationship, then that will give you some sense of control. And I think that's what you're touching on, Murray. Absolutely, yeah. Because the thing that I come to realise as being a truth is that the future, the uncertainties, no one knows. So it's not that I'm in the dark, everyone's in the dark. So there's no point, there's no answer to find there. So I kind of just go, well, I'll deal with that as it comes and try and prepare, but... Yeah, back to the point of just let's do it today and here and now. And it does make you feel a lot better, you know, because you can mm. a lot easier than you do it a year. I think it's important too. Um, we've been talking a lot about this as a, as a group of clinicians too, about what we're noticing. And so many people are, are still working from home with that same expectation, if they're lucky enough to have jobs, that I should be as productive as I would be in the office. Or I should be on my fitness, my nutrition, my this, my that. But we really need to readjust that because this is, we're in, as you said, Marie, this is a marathon. We're in this sort of long haul, unfortunately. And this is not a time for most of us to be thriving. I mean, I can see it's myself personally, the business for us, you know, we're too busy. So business wise, it's great. But even personally, it's not a time for me to be thriving. It's about doing the best I can and surviving so that we can all come out the end of this and the best possible headspace with hopefully our relationships, our health intact, and then look to thrive. Because so many clients I've seen beat themselves up of, oh, you know, I had that extra beer the other night. I haven't been going for my runs because it's cold. I had an argument with my partner. Like that makes sense. And like you said, Murray, some days when you just feel flat or it becomes overwhelming, that's normal for what's going on at the moment. We're in a worldwide pandemic with no vaccine and a lot of uncertainty. And that's, that's actually, I'm glad you said that. That is normal right now, you know, and, and, and it's okay to accept that. I mean, of course, you know, you don't want to become violent and all those other things, but, you know, the things, the things that you used to do um, prior to COVID and lockdown uh, have been changed and altered. And you know what? And if you're tired to get up and go for that run, it's okay. You know, I think a lot of people, even the people that I've spoken through work and uh, and friends are beating themselves over trivial things that I'm sure they probably wouldn't have yeah. um, earlier. You know, and it is simple things like oh, I've been eating too much because I'm at home all the time and I'm close to the kitchen, so I'm snacking and I've put on all this weight and I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, are you healthy? That's yeah. okay. As long as you're healthy, eat all you want. You can, you can deal with that later. But just be healthy. If it's making you happy at the moment, that's fine. Oh, but it's not. I'm, I can't be into my gene. It's okay. We're tracksuits. You're at home. 
it's, it's, <laughs> it's nice if you've got people around you they can remind you of that as well yeah I, I, I think like everyone most of the time I'm pretty good at it but definitely not all the time and yeah unfortunately people like you around and my partner's great and I've got friends that I can call up and they have that kind of positive reinforcing mentality that sometimes you just need to hear it from someone else and it's nice to give it to other people as well if we can remind ourselves to do that absolutely well it's that self-compassion and self-kindness i mean i think they're the two big things we all need to practice at the moment you can't get off the couch go for that run okay that's cool go for a short walk and say to yourself that's enough like that's enough for now and i'm sure the challenge i'm not saying the challenges for males are any greater than females at the moment but as you know 80 90 percent of the clients i see are blokes or teenagers uh, so many guys as you said earlier maria uh, that primary breadwinner and they're still expecting themselves to be hitting those goals like they would be a year ago. And it's so hard for them to dial that down. So, so hard. But the fact that if they're still beating themselves up, they're, even, they're making things even worse for themselves. So can I ask, in your professional opinion, as a woman that's surrounded by a lot of men, um, sometimes I, I don't see the red flags because I'm caught up in whatever I'm doing, right? And at the moment, um, I know there's a lot of women that have, that are just like me, that have got a few kids, boys and a husband and family, brothers, uncles, what have you. What are some of the red flags? Because I know we don't often, um, we don't often pick up on them um, as family, as colleagues, as friends. But in this particular crisis that we're all kind of going through, and um, if your partner or your brother or someone in your life that you know has lost their job and they were predominantly the breadwinner or maybe not, maybe they just had a really great job for a long, long time and now all of a sudden they've made redundant. What are the, some of the things that we can do to help support them or recognise if they don't recognise it in themselves? Um, is, is there any little tips, I guess, or red flags that we should, um, that we should kind of look at and go, oh, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's time to go and speak to someone or, or what can we do to, to help them through that process if they're going through something really tough as a male? In terms of red flags for, for men or just males in particular, COVID or no, not COVID, it's usually though it's behavioural signs. We know in the research that they're, they're, they're the big differences in terms of how things like depression or anxiety might present in males versus females. Blokes will often talk about uh, being irritable, being angry, or, or their partner will talk about observing them being distant, isolated, withdrawn, not doing the activities that they may have once done. Now that's very hard at the moment because of COVID, but if you know that your partner or your son loves running or loves playing video games with friends and yeah maybe they reduce the amount they're doing that during COVID but if they completely stop it that that's a bit of a sign okay. so I suppose it's really those behavioral signs that make you sort of question hang on what is going on here because mm -hmm. a lot of guys, a lot of guys will come to us and they'll say oh, I just noticed I'm getting angry lately it's pretty rare like say again <laughs> that sounds like me <laughs> But it's pretty, it is pretty rare that guys will come in and say, look, I, th I think I'm depressed. Yeah. I think I'm sad. No, no, no. It's usually, and often whenever we're talking with ang about anger, we draw this little iceberg and anger is usually, you know, what you see on the surface. It's usually all those other emotions beneath the surface that either they're not aware of or they're not willing to articulate just yet. Okay. So if, you, if they suddenly stop doing something or they've just kind of withdrawn, it, that's a big red flag for a lot of guys. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. 
yeah are you finding i'm i mean i've got a my husband's in his he's gonna die now that i'm gonna admit this <laughs> my husband's in his early early 50s and my son is 19 and my younger son is will be 13 soon soon now there's a huge generational gap right which i so the older bloke doesn't really like talking about his emotions and feelings and what have you but my 19 year old is all about yeah uh, like i sat with him the other day i said how are you coping like i know you're missing your mates and i know you haven't played soccer and you know are you, are you okay you know like is, is it okay he's like yeah mum i'm fine i'm totally cool if i need help i'll go and get it right which i was like you beauty uh whereas uh with rob i'm like are you okay yeah 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 i'm fine you know and then all of a sudden you know you can hear him you know, the, the milk drops and it's, you know, a, a bit of a meltdown. Oh, my God, I've just spilled milk everywhere. And I'm like, that's so not fine. But that's okay. I'll let you believe that you're fine. <laughs> Have you found with the generations, the different generations, um, that the younger blokes are more open to coming and seeing someone like yourself compared to someone that's a little bit older that has that stigma of this is not manly, you know? I can Over, uh, yeah, overall, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. And that's so refreshing to see. I mean, me, I'm 30, how old am I now? 32? 30, yeah, 32. So I think back to when I was, say, 19, even then, that wasn't that long ago, but that, you wouldn't have a 19-year-old speak as openly as your son did. Mm. And so I think that really shows in only sort of 10, 15 years how far we have come. And it's, it's not uncommon for um, some of our teenage clients and probably six, 50, 60% of clients we see are teenagers or poor kids and it's not uncommon for the teenagers to say oh like do you know this psychologist and i'll be like oh yeah yeah oh that, that's my friend's therapist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like what is happening and they go yeah yeah most of us have therapists i'm like wow this is <laughs> yeah wow that's a different world from when i was a kid or yeah like yeah wow so when you were a kid would you have openly you wouldn't have openly gone to a psychologist um, I only did one time, it was because of a, a death, a tragic event. So it was more a group counselling kind of, I'd say forced, but we all embraced it. But I find that that was kind of quite different to, you know, something, feeling something individual, uh, which I definitely wouldn't have as I was younger. I would say that, and I'm, I'm 41, so I'm kind of in the middle here, your partner and, and you perhaps, but um, I would say as I've gotten older, it's probably, I've gotten more open and more um, willing to talk and, and things like that, you know, through my partner and friendship groups, um, not necessarily professionally, but I'd be open to it versus not being open to it when I was younger. Yeah. I think, and that's good. It means that slowly, slowly, um, men's perception on actually asking for help is starting to change a little bit. It's starting to, it's okay. Well, I hope the stigma for young people, maybe you can talk to this, Carl, but hopefully the stigma for young people isn't there, that it's a sign of weakness, particularly for guys, I guess I'm talking, that talking to someone is a weakness or something to be ashamed of or something that um, was perhaps more prevalent when I was younger, that if kids now are younger, teenagers are more open to it and even kind of, you know, uh, talking, joking about it or talking about it as in, you know, my friend's therapist and all that kind of thing that um, clearly something's changed. And for me, it was around peer pressure and things like that and how I'd be perceived would be the reason I wouldn't have done it when I was younger. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think we are taking huge steps in that right direction. And I think the, the new generations to the 14, the 19 year olds now are going to have a huge impact on the stigma and the narrative around help seeking for blokes. 
but I'm still mindful that, you know, the clients that I speak about, the teenagers I refer to, they're the ones that are coming in. And I'm mindful that we're in a, you know, capital city of Australia. There's still huge, huge steps to be taken in rural, regional areas, but also people living in capital cities who aren't coming to services, who still maintain that old school narrative about uh, reaching out for support, unfortunately. And I mean, men's health, men's mental health in particular, over the last few years, it really has been the flavor of the month. And it really is the hot topic. And it still is. Even during COVID, I've seen so many more men's health sort of uh, movements or awareness campaigns or online Zooms and so many. Like I've never seen this many. And they're fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But I just really hope that in three, four years, we maintain it. And it's just not flavor of the month. Mm, mm, I agree I agree what would you um what are some tips that you can give us or give men um in particular through this through this um, this time that, that we're going through with COVID and and you know in Melbourne in particular second lockdown like what are some if they can't come to see you or they're, they're they can't probably um get to you like you said earlier they might be in country Victoria or rural Victoria what are some things that they can do to help themselves that don't need to be you know um major but something really quick i know connection is a, is an important one having someone that can just say hey i just need you to talk to me for an hour i'm feeling a bit mm. quiet, or what have you what's something else that men can do to help themselves um i think, I think first first step for for men but and women or anybody is just do a bit of an audit and just say well how has your life actually changed your daily weekly routine now compared to say you know late last year when things before COVID." and put your self-care and well-being on the agenda actually spend some time thinking about it and there's probably three or four major differences between now and late last year and as you said marie connection that's probably the one of the big ones social connection especially for blokes we talked about it whether it be workplaces at football unfortunately a lot of guys once they get into their 30s 40s 50s neglect their friendships and their friendships and social connections are more those incidental relationships at work, at the footy club, at the gym. Now you cut all of those off. You've got somebody feeling quite alone and disconnected. So if social connection is a big one for you, okay, how can you actually achieve some form of social connection now? Mm -hmm. uh, but I suppose the other thing, if people are at the point of thinking, yeah, maybe I do need to reach out for some form of support, there's so many different forms of support. It doesn't have to be a psychologist. It might be calling the Beyond Blue COVID support line. It might be calling men's line. It might be joining up one of the many uh, men's groups on Facebook or Instagram. There's so many live Zoom sessions going on at the moment where you don't have to participate, but you can just tune in and hear people talking about this sort of stuff, other blokes sharing their own experiences. And even if you don't participate and share, you're going to get a sense of shared experience there. Like, oh, I'm not alone here. Yeah, which so I know is that's important. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because as you said, Murray, we're all going through this. <laughs> but I think too often a lot of blokes, especially sitting there going, feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders, not realising that probably most other guys are feeling a very similar thing. See, women, we're kind of, we band together a little bit more than men, I, I think. I think... Uh, um, with my friends, we'll, we'll check in with each other. How are you going today? You know, and it might be a simple text just to check in, but we'll do that, you know, whereas I find with the boys, um, they're not as open. They're kind of, there has to be a reason to, 
to call or to what have you, you know, unless they've got a partner that will say, you know, maybe you should check in with such and such and see how they're going. You know, I think <laughs> always the partner. It's always well, saints, I swear. <laughs> we're not saying I'm not a saint. <laughs> I, I'm listening to you, I feel more like a bloke than I do like a women half, women half the time. I, I swear they've all rubbed off on me. But I think, yeah, I think girls are a little bit more open to joining groups and talking and engaging and, and we like talking about our emotions. But you would it be fair to say that women are more likely to talk about the negative emotions as well? Yeah, I think so. Because I think for guys we would check in, but um I know I'm guilty of it as well. I'm more likely to put forward not of anything false, but I'll choose a more positive aspect before I'll choose a negative or, um, you know, a more open aspect about something that might be bothering me. Whereas yeah. I notice that women don't do that so much. They say, hey, going, oh, yeah, actually, I struggled with this or mm. that happened. Whereas I'll say, yeah, it's all good or, you know, think of something good to say and yeah. keep up a little bit of a facade sometimes rather than just going, you know, actually, it was just a shit day and this happened and that happened. Yeah, yeah. And why, why, why is that, Murray? Um, I, I feel it, it, I feel a little bit of um, failure or something in saying that something's bad or that I'm not I've, I've done something wrong or I haven't done as much as I could do to be the best and, and do the right thing. But in saying that, I do have a network of people who I definitely wouldn't do that with. But I say in general, if the average person were to ask me, that would be my approach. And with mm. people I'm closer to, I've definitely gotten better at just actually being honest about something if it's not great and talking about it, which does make a huge difference. I've found. Well, we had a bad day last week. Yeah, and I was honest with you. You were right? honest yeah, with me because, so yeah, yeah, Murray came in yeah, to true. deliver some water and he was like, how are you going? I'm like, actually, I'm not having a good week this week. You know, this is all getting a bit too much for me. And, and he was all smart. He's like, yeah, you know what, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of just took down my barriers. Hey, actually, you're being honest. I'll just be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think connection is um, is important and I think you're right, um, Carl. There's so many different ways for us to connect, whether we participate in just listening and tuning in um, or you, or just having to chat to someone um, is, is crucial, I think, at this point um, of what we're all going through and that we're all in it together because we are, our ups are not so high, but our downs are very low, I'm finding, with a lot of people that I'm talking to. Usually the things that would make people really happy and really positive are almost like, oh, yeah, whatever, because tomorrow, you know, I just got to get through today and, you know, and the lows are a lot lower, you know. Um, and I find just from, I guess, experience with the people around me, having that connection, those lows a little bit more manageable, I think. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I would I agree. I think the example you guys use, though, too, is a really great example in that if, uh, and I don't know, but Marie, if you hadn't have said to Murray that, hey, you know, I'm having a bit of shit of a day, shit of a week, maybe he wouldn't have opened up about his week. Yeah. You're 100% right, Carl, I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, really? I wouldn't have been, yeah, because there's some kind of feeling of, I, I don't know, you know, you would explain it, but for me, just I, I don't know how to explain it, but just the feeling of, I don't want to bring someone down or I don't want to seem negative or something like mm. that, just... I don't know, self-confidence things not not allowing me to do it. But, yeah, because Maria did say that, I was like, oh, you know, I feel like I can be honest as well and it's not that big a deal and it wasn't and it actually turned into a positive. And well, I for, laugh, yeah. <laughs> for, for too many blokes, I think, well, that is, you don't want to be a burden, do you? Is that what it is? Yeah. I, well, there's that, that vulnerability, but also you don't you don't want to be a burden. Like, you yeah. know, you call your mate or somebody, how are you doing? You don't want to go, mate, I'm struggling. Yeah. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, pretty things are pretty weird with COVID, but yeah, it's not bad. But I think what that is, is it creates, you, you, in that moment, Marie, you gave Murray permission to actually be real and authentic with you. 
And that's what so many blokes tell us is whether they've told their best mate or their brother that, hey, they're coming to see a psychologist or, you know, they've told their best mate that how they're actually doing. It's so transformational. I'm not saying you need to scream it from the rooftop to tell everybody. You pick and choose, of course. Mm -hmm. But it gives other blokes permission to actually go, ah, this is okay to share. Okay, cool. Because as guys, and you see this from a very young age, you would know this, Maria, having boys. Boys as young as two or three, maybe not two, but three, we start policing each other in terms of what is okay and what is not okay in terms of social interaction, constructs, that's girly, are you girl, don't, any of that sort of stuff. Mm. And by actually saying, like Murray, if you say to your mate, when you see him on the week, well, not see him, speak to him on the weekend, you know, I've had it a bit rough, you know, business is pretty, pretty stressful at the moment. You've just actually given that other guy permission mm. to open up with you. You just answered the question I had in my head was how do I help other people do it? And I was thinking, oh, do I have to ask a question? But I think your answer is if I just open up, that gives other people permission to do the same rather than trying to force it out of someone. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you see with a lot of, there's so, so many lived experience uh, or people who have lived mental health experience sort of speakers at the moment uh, and, and motivational pages who will talk about their journey. And the power of that is what it does is it breaks down the stigma, but also gives other people permission to talk about this stuff because it normalizes it. Yeah, I love that. I reckon that's an awesome tip. I'm definitely going to make a more concerted effort after you just putting that in my mind now that I'm <laughs> conscious of it to yeah. do it because I think that's super powerful. But it's okay. Like you said yeah, before, it's, it's okay deal, yeah. not to have a great day. Yeah. You know, and why do we need to kind of always go, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. You know what? It's shit. Yeah. You know, I'm tired. I'm homeschooling. Yeah. You know, I'm cooking more than I've ever cooked and I'm cleaning as well and I'm working. I'm freaking exhausted. I'm not going to tell you that it's butterflies and roses. It's fucking not. Give me the vodka. In the vein. I think you nailed it. <laughs> well, and that's what I say to a lot of clients, Maria. I say, if, if, like I said to a guy earlier this week, I said, mate, if you had sat here and said that it was an existing client who I hadn't seen for a while, probably since COVID started, and I said, if you'd sat here and said that you'd be doing really well, I'd be really worried because it's not normal to be doing really well given what's going on. Mm. That would be abnormal. That's actually really good because you're right. You're right. Like I've just had a, a moment because I did speak to someone that said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fantastic not long ago. And I'm, like I actually walked away going, oh, my God, I've got so many problems right now. I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they did. It was a, it was a friend of mine, and they're you know in business, and yeah, I touched base to see how they're traveling because you know as we as we're all I think doing now a little bit more is keeping tabs on each other, um, and I was blown away by the positivity. I kind of went out of there going, oh my god, like what's wrong with me? Like this, you know, I'm really happy, and you know maybe and genuinely she probably was. You know, I don't want to. I'm not judgmental, and I don't want to judge her, but I know how I felt afterwards going shit, I'm not dealing with this situation. If she's that positive, then what am I doing wrong, you know? But mm. what you said before, it's it's okay. Everyone's different. And is, is everything okay in her world? Is that what, you know, she wants us to believe? Yeah. So, you know, whether she doesn't want to burden me with her issues or maybe everything is okay, it doesn't. it's irrelevant, yeah? And just some connection with that. I mean, maybe she was having a good day mm. and if she was, awesome. But let's go, let's... Let's go down the track of maybe she just put on the facade 
Mm. So going back to you know, the example you use, Murray, that when you do with the p- people you trust and want to be real with, when you do actually open up and say things that are shit, you, you, you enable an opportunity for true connection. Mm. Whereas if, if your friend Maria was just putting on that facade, then there's not that opportunity for true connection there, is there? Well, I didn't. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I went, oh, well, that's really good. Mm. I'm checking to see that you're okay and, um, and that's good. And when she asked me about me, I, I just did what Murray would have probably done as well. It's, it's just, it's all good. <laughs> it's all great. <laughs> yeah, no, we're fine. You know, it's great. I really love cooking every day, you know. One of my clinicians loves using the analogy of, you know, the, the duck in the pond. The duck looks very, very calm, but beneath the water, he's paddling like mad. Yeah. Yeah. That was me talking to her on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, if only you really knew. <laughs> no, it's all good. I think at the moment, uh, uh, one of the, the most important things, like I say to everyone, and, I, and you can give me your perspective, Carl, is... Um, celebrate the little things, you know, even if it is just getting out of bed, um, you know, and, and going for the five minute walk, it's, that's, that's worth, mm. that's, that's a tick, you know, um, making your partner a cup of tea or coffee and just sitting down and having an open chat. That's a tick. Like, you know, just those tiny little yeah. things that we never really thought about early prior to COVID. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing more now as a family is we're actually eating together. Whereas prior to COVID, one's at soccer training, the other one's at football training, you know, the other one's doing something else. So it's like everyone just, you know, bite size and go, go, go. And now because everyone's at home, um, we're actually eating. And, and that to me is like, a tick, mm, you know, great. which is a good thing, which yeah. if I can say anything positive, that's a positive. And I'm sure a lot of families out there are like me as well. They're actually coming together and eating together. So celebrating those little things, I think, are also super important and not being so hard on ourselves. Because, yeah. you know. well, I mean, that what you're speaking to, Maria, that's gratitude, isn't it? It's taking the time to notice those small things. And that, it's a fine line because as soon as you say that, people go, oh, well, that's easy to say when I've lost my business or this or that. But it's not about dismissing the negative. You've got to make time to acknowledge that, accept that. But as you said, having that family connection over over meals, that's a silver lining of this period. And a lot of families have talked about that. I mean, I personally, I'd love being able to spend more time with my wife because she's home four days a week. Mm. This morning, you know, got up, went for a walk, and it was a sunny Melbourne winter day with the dog. And that that was awesome. And yeah. it yeah. change the COVID uncertainty, but that was one or two positives already uh, in the day that normally we wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important. If any, if, if people listening to, to this today take anything is um, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, reach out and get some connection and, and celebrate those small things, whatever they are, mm. you know, um, whatever it is that, that gives you that bit of gratitude, um, that's important, yeah. um, especially whilst going through this they're those little accumulating things that will build up and you know we can hopefully look back in a couple of years and go you know what it was rough but we kind of made it and we made it because you know I had my mate Murray here that I could be real with (laughs) I had a great doc that you know gave us some awesome advice you know um you know it's it's all those things that you know we can celebrate but Mm. I think we've um we've pretty much covered most of the stuff we want to talk about today you know about you know 
having to deal with COVID and, and what that's looking like for a lot of blokes out there and how important it is to reach out and, and speak to someone like yourself and that there is a place for, for men to go to um, and, and talk about whatever it is they want to talk about um, and, and become better or help themselves, more importantly. Um, and, and I think a lot of guys will come out, will listen to this podcast and go, you know what, hey, that connection part, that's, that's mm. really good. That's really important. Mm. And just, just on the connection part, there's a fascinating, you might have seen it, fascinating video on the a TED Talk on the longest study of happiness, I think done by the Harvard University. It's a longitudinal study they did over like 50, 60 years of people from all different uh, socioeconomic groups, racial groups and whatnot. And they found the one contributing factor, the biggest contributing factor rather to people's happiness and meaning they experience in life was social connection how socially connected those people felt. Didn't matter whether they were millionaires or living in the slums. It was that social connection. It's so important. Well, as humans, we just want to belong. Yeah. You know, I think it's part of our DNA, isn't it? Mm. We just want to feel like we belong, that we were a part of a group. You know, whatever that group is, feels like, yeah. we just want to feel that sense of belonging and that sense of connection. It's so important. So important. Yeah. Um, it, you know, helps, helps us live longer. You know, it's what our grandparents used to do, you know, check on the neighbour and, you know, swap the roses for some eggs, <laughs> all yeah. of that, you know, it's okay. Yeah, we've all got our version of it, but we're, it's important, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's it. We still might have this technology like we do now, Wi-Fi and Zoom and video chat and podcasts, but we're still deep down cavemen and women that need our tribe. Totally, totally. And, and we've got a pretty good tribe, I reckon, here. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. all right. Yeah, exactly. I think. <laughs> <laughs> there are days where I think, really, I think I need a new tribe. I'm exiting this tribe. I'm making a new tribe. I have a couple of tribes. That always works. A couple of tribes. So if people want to reach out to you, Carl, and, and make an appointment to see you or any of your therapists, um, we'll have your deets on our website, um, but they can just head to... Uh, www.blokepsychology.com.au. Yeah, that's the one. Or check us out on Facebook or Instagram. We've got a pretty big presence on the socials as well. Well, that's how I found you. Uh-huh. That's how I found you because a friend of mine had, had reposted one of your posts on stories. It was a quote. And I remember going, that's really cool, man. And then <laughs> and then, um, and then, and then, he did another one. I'm like, who is this bloke psychology? What are they all about? And then I started stalking the bloke psychology website to kind of see what you're about. And I went, I went to my team. I think we need to get these guys in. They seem to know guys, and I need all the help that I can get with my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, and that's and that's why. But I, I really love what you're doing. I think it's it's incredible, and I really appreciate what you're doing as a mother of boys and and a woman in business with lots of men. Um, I, I think I'd be a pretty good psychologist, actually. I think I'd be a pretty good... What do you reckon, Carl? I reckon I'd be a pretty good guy psychologist. I get men, mate. I, black and white. This is white. This is definitely black. <laughs> well, give us a call once you've done your training. We need clinicians, so... I don't know. I just don't know if I can deal with everyone's problems. I was going to say bullshit, but I can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's been so nice talking to you. Um, it's been a pleasure actually talking to you and, and thank you for giving us a little bit of clarity of what we're all going through and 
we are all in it together and um, baby steps to get us through the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for sharing the tips. I've found them really practical even just in this short conversation and likewise with Maria. Love what you're doing and I love your perspective on things. It definitely is a bloke's perspective and I hope that makes it a lot easier for guys to seek help when they need it and uh, always try and improve and make ourselves happier and everything else that you've talked about. No, thanks, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoyed chatting to you guys, uh, especially you, Murray, in particular, hearing the <laughs> bloke's perspective <laughs> on things. So, no, it's good. But I was going to say, Marie, you might have to join us on our podcast at one point and give the... Uh, the mum and uh, wife's perspective on living with blokes. That's a great idea. Are you sure you want me to do that? Because I can go on a rant. <laughs> I can go on a rant. But no, absolutely, we'd love to chat with you more on other topics as well. There's so many things we could chat about and I'm happy to come and do a podcast, um, hopefully face-to-face. Huh? Or we can do a Zoom, it's fine. We can do a Zoom. We can talk mums and babies. <laughs> No, I look forward to it. Look forward to it. This has been awesome. This has been good fun. Good way to start my day. So thank you guys. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks again for um, accepting our invitation and um, and shedding some light on COVID and mental health and, and boys. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, Carl. Yeah. No worries at all. Well, good to meet you both. And I'm sure I'll chat to you both soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep putting those posts up. I like. I actually secretly read them all the time. Then I send them to my son. <laughs> Just, and he's like, what are you sending me this shit for, mum? I'm like, just read it. It's good for you. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Take care. See ya. Bye. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Carl from Bloke Psychology. If you'd like to get in touch with the clinic, please head to blokepsychology.com.au or connect with them on their social media for regular updates on mental health at Bloke Psychology. Thanks for listening to Casper Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'd love to connect, so leave me a comment or a question. And if you haven't already subscribed to Casper and Casper magazine, just click the link or go to www.casperandcasper.com.au for a chance to be one of our lucky monthly winners. Stay connected, share the love, and discover what inspires you. Ciao for now.